That's what she said. Also, someone posted on Reddit and they're like, oh, I'm looking for horror books with female main characters. There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot. Honey, I'll tell you this much. There's a lot. You're going to need to be more specific. Bluefoot, I got one for you. Bing, who texted you? Lexi Anderson. Hi, Lexi Anderson. Shout out to Lexi Anderson. I put on my do not disturb. Lexi, shut the hell up. Lexi, <laughs> go away. Lexi. Um, speaking of Lexi Anderson, I'm Liza. And I'm Riss. And this is the Little Sleep Much Reading Podcast. Finally, from so little sleeping and so much reading, his brain dried up and he went completely out of his mind. There goes Lexi. There she goes. Get it, Lexi. (laughs) A third season of Lexi Anderson on the keys, everybody. We're so blessed. This is season three, Marissa. Season three, premiere. Season three, premiere. 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 Look at us go. I know, it's almost our one year anniversary. Ooh, what a thought. What a thought, what a vibe. Oh, that's so cute of us, actually. I know, like, we are really doing the damn thing. We've been podcasting for 300, almost 365 days. Not yet, though. I think our actual anniversary, release date anniversary is like September 9th or something. Yeah, it's in September. Which is wild, because it's like we started planning in August. Yeah, we did. Like, about this time, actually. Yeah. Ah, Look at us. Look at us. Look at us. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Not me. Mm. Mm. people are probably like wow they're wild they're like i'm turning this shit off right now um as they should what fun lit news do we have today for the people oh people there's been a some stirring in the literary in the publishing community i might say there's been a stirring what marissa you're you actually know but i don't know what's i you explained it to me and then i looked it up and i was confused i'm gonna i'm gonna pull it up because um i don't remember what two houses it is and i want i want i want to know i would like to know i want to know can you show me strangers like me tarzan anyone Okay, okay. Um, so ooh, that was gross. <laughs> the little whistle. So <laughs> you know when old people do that? Old people always be whistling through their teeth. Old always do that. What's with that? <laughs> hey, I'm one of the old guys. Um so currently for our lit news, there is a huge thing that's happening and a huge trial that's going on because Penguin Random House and Simon and Schuster are trying to merge together. Um, and the government does not want them to do that. I, I'm not positive why, but I think the government doesn't want them to do that because it'll be one I mean, this is like two huge publishing houses that are going to merge into one and make like a ginormous publishing house. Um, And I think that they're scared that it'll be too much of a monopoly situation. Um, So there's a huge trial going on right now on whether they can or cannot do this. And Stephen King, the man, the myth, the legend, the legend. He um, was on trial testifying against this big 
merger and discussing why it would be bad for writers. I mean, someone like Stephen King will not have a problem, but I guess smaller writers, it would be harder for them. Um, women writers, LGBTQ+, people of color, it might be harder for them to get published. I don't know. Publishing houses already are kind of very lit. Um, yeah like elitist and especially big ones right and yeah it's gonna be harder for um smaller publishing houses to survive if this happens and smaller publish smaller publishing houses indie publishing houses are really what support like little authors right so um something to think about and we will update you when we know more i'm definitely going to read more up about this i just haven't had time to do it and we will definitely update you when we know what the the verdict is and what's going to happen yeah very weird anytime too like i don't like to see a small publishing house absorbed by a big publishing house Mm -hmm. But even a big publishing house merging with another big publishing house feels, like, weird. It feels shady. It feels shady, and it feels like, you know, like, those, like, PSAs they used to have you watch? I don't know if you, you know what, like, what I'm talking about. This was just came to mind. When they'd be like, and you may think you're eating Kellogg's cereal, but it's there's actually only three cereal brands in the whole country even though it looks like they're 16 like it feels like that but with books which i know like no leave books alone leave books be let books be books let books be books let books be books please let them live their life so yeah, that's why we like, we don't even like, I mean, obviously we buy books from the big publishing houses. We don't have a choice. We don't you can't. Choice. You really can't get around doing that. No, but we do love the little guys. We love them so much. Who's your pub? who published your book that you read today? Just curious. Great question. I don't know. So I'm an interester. Psychopress.com Mine says Nightfire Press, which I actually have never heard of. Mm-mm, me either. A Tom Doherty Associates book. You said Nightfire? Yeah, a Nightfire book published by Tom Doherty Associates. Oh, it's a Mac, It's a trademark of Macmillan. There we go. There we go. Another big boy on the scene. Um, I wish I knew, like, for going to a school for writing, I don't know a lot about publishing houses and what's what. I assume if you major in publishing, you get more of that. But they did, I will say, they did a poor job with teaching us about that. Like, I know that Harlequin is romance. Yeah. But isn't Harlequin a small press of a bigger press? Right, that's a really... So I'm like, so do all big presses have smaller presses that only print certain genres? Or is it just like, eh? Right, right, right. I don't know. I don't know. We they should have had a publishing class at Pratt because really the only time we even learned about it at all was in writer as worker. We should have I we should have somebody on at some point either from a publishing house who like works at one presently, and like they don't have to say which publishing house they work at, but like something like that or somebody who majored in publishing in school. Right, that would be. Cool. I'm sure we could find somebody that we kind of know. Sadly, all of our, not sadly, but literally everybody we talk to on a regular basis had the exact same major that we did. 
<laughs> and no one we even know now works for publishing. No. No, because none of our friends got um industry jobs. Well, I, industry jobs is such a loaded word in the first place, but... Doesn't Lindsay want to work for a publishing office? She does, and you know what? She could be a good one to talk about when we have her on... Um, in a few spoiler alert when we have her on in a few weeks because she did actually intern at a publishing house. Oh, cool, cool, cool. So maybe we should have we should ask her what the tea is. Lindsay, um, if you're listening. Lindsay. Lindsay. Um but speak of the devil. We have a loaded season three for you guys. There's gonna so be special I, guests. Special guests. There's gonna be uh, <laughs> special guest. Special guest. <laughs> um, more Lexi Anderson playing music. More Lexi Anderson playing music. Shenanigans. Shenanigans. Um. There's gonna be a lot. <laughs> there's gonna be reading. There's gonna be no sleeping. There's gonna be. Uh... <laughs> There's going to be everything you could want and more mm-hmm. in season three. And we're starting off with a banger today. A banger. banger. It's my absolute favorite, maybe my favorite niche genre there is, one of them. It's it's Miley Cyrus 2013 bangers. <laughs> and exactly. you know what, guys? We can't stop. We can't stop. We came stop. in like a wrecking ball. <laughs> we won't stop. Uh, it's the genre both of us often I feel like find ourselves writing in mm-hmm. yeah should we tell them what it is do it it's summer horror spooky summer horror it's hot more fun and than spooky. fall horror I don't know agreed I, I would say it I I would... I'll say it I think it is. I think fall horror, I still love it, but maybe it's the fact that fall horror is a little bit overdone. Yeah, and it it feels wholesome. You know what I mean? Like fall horror feels comforting in a weird way, whereas something like summer horror feels itchy. Like I want to get out of my skin. Yeah, yes. And I like that. I like it. And winter horror is entirely its own thing too. Yes. But it has a different feeling to it, even than summer horror. I feel like winter horror often has like a claustrophobic feel to it. Right. It has a claustrophobic feel. It has very much like a hide burrow type feel to it. Right. Um, winter horror to me is usually, when I think about it, psychological horror. Yes. Um, summer horror is usually more slashery. Yes. Um, and usually fall horror is paranormal. Yes. Or supernatural. Right. Go back to our <laughs> paranormal supernatural episode. So there's a difference between um, the two. I don't know. Spring horror just is kind of. Eh. I never heard of. I don't. I can't. Right. I can't. I'm looking at my horror shelf right now, and there's nothing I see on there that I remember as strictly spring. Yeah, I don't know. Too much, too much. Uh, new life is happening. Yeah, yeah. Aliens, Maybe that's I guess. No- nothing's dead in spring. Yeah. Nothing's dying. We can fix that. Although maybe it would be, we can fix that. Maybe it would be like a something, like the concept of something growing, like a like a, like a pregnancy horror could be cool for mm-hmm. spring. When you see those uh those videos of like plants, like uh, blossoming, it, but it's it's fast. That's I don't like something that like that, but in a book. That. Yeah. Or okay. it would even be cool to have like a book that is set in spring when spring is, you know, birth and life and new, but things are dying. 
yeah like highlight that more somehow that would be that would be really cool there's this ya book i really want to read let me see if i have a picture of it in my camera roll um because it's literally like that like it's this town where there's there's like arrived this disease and at first it starts attacking the plants but then it starts latching on to the people or then it starts latching on to the animals then it starts latching on to the people and I was like, what? Um, don't love cool. don't love that, but actually I do love that. Let me see if I have a picture. I have so many pictures in my phone of of books I must read. It's actually becoming a problem because I don't know when I'm ever gonna get You're gonna do it. There's too many books and not enough time in the world to read all of them. It makes me sad inside. Uh, should we dive into these creepy, spooky, scary summer reads? Let's get going. Let's get doing it. Uh, even though we've both already mentioned them a little bit, I will introduce what we read. I read Slewfoot by Brom, who people who are like horror might be familiar with this author. He has a lot of books that are like, almost like mythological based um and all of them are illustrated because he's an illustrator and a writer so he has one called krampus that i think has was fairly popular when it first came out and one called the child thief that was i think pretty popular when it came out um but he has others as well this one came out at the tail end of 2021 so it's fairly new um, yeah, and it's it's a tale of the witchery, and that's all I'll say for now. The tale of the witchery. Yeah. Um. So I originally planned to read um this book called Summer of the Dead, which I think was a mystery thriller. I picked it up at a garage sale. It was kind of cool. Um, and then my life has been so crazy that I haven't got to read. So I was like, cool, 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 cool. Um, I've been reading My Heart is a Chainsaw by Stephen Graham Jones for a couple weeks now. And I'm not even close to being done with it at all. But that's what we're going to talk about today instead, because um, that's what I'm reading. That's what she's reading. And so... I'm sure everyone has heard about this book if you're on any kind of book scene because it's majorly popular right now. Um, But just so everyone knows, I'm not, since I'm still in the middle of reading it, I'm not going to rank shelf-worthy slash read again. So if you're on any kind of reading app, I think you should have seen it. Um, And you'll probably recognize Stephen Graham Jones if you don't from this book but then from um our native american heritage month episode way back in november i think yeah um i read the only good indians so you might recognize his name from that and and we have decided that he is the new king of horror yeah that's that that's been established um we've been new (laughs) (laughs) i want to read night of the living mannequins very badly it's a short little thing it looks fun so mapping the interior is also very short and looks very good he's doing it he has the mongrels it's another one of his so 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 when's everyone reading it Stephen Graham Jones book club challenge. Um, and he once retweeted our tweet. He did. King Slay. Thank you, good sir. Oh, um, I hear spooky little footsteps. Oh, that noise you guys hear? Yeah. It's not footsteps, it's him jumping on my mom's bed. <laughs> it sounded like ghostly footsteps. He does it all day, just jump 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 and then he'll jump and like kick his feet out and land on the bed and like flop like a fish oh he's wild first the viewers can't see this but liza can liza sign for book yeah (gasps) book book so you would 
for everyone who can't see, you would kind of like put your hands together, palm to palm, and then open them at the hinges, like book. Easy. Book. So that's your sign for the day, everyone. Sign of the day is book. Sign of the day. Uh, Sliza, why don't you go first? I'll go first. <laughs> don't mind if I do. Here we go. So this book technically does take place in the summer, and I think you can tell by a lot of the details, but it takes place from like the early, like mid-early summer, I want to say, all the way to October 1st. And I think that's kind of cool, because that's kind of when I start to feel that the summer is truly ended as well. I don't know about y'all, but I start to celebrate, I stop celebrating summer and start celebrating Halloween on the fall equinox, because I think there should be a month and a half of Halloween, not just 31 days. That being said, that limbo between October 1st and September 22nd, where it's like hot still, but the sun is setting earlier and like things are getting a little spooky and you could be like in your shorts and your t-shirt drinking your PSL and like the leaves are starting to like do that weird thing they do before they fall off the trees. Like they're not, I mean, before they like start to turn colors, like they kind of like, like they start to die and then they turn colors and then they fall off. Um, so that's why I was like, I consider the summer horror, even though a good deal of it takes place in September. But yes, Slewfoot by Brahm. Um, like I said, this is an illustrated book, and I think Marissa would really love it for that reason. Um, but I wish our viewers could see the pictures because every chapter begins with an illustration of some sort of monster that you're going to see in that chapter. So they're, they're beautiful. Like, they're actually absolutely gorgeous. And the page separators are little spiders. Um, and the page numbers have these little eyes underneath. Everything about this book is very visual. It's also like double the size. Like here is this, here's Slewfoot. Again, y'all can't see this. And here's a regular sized book, but it's like very big, even though it's a novel, which was interesting. It was an interesting choice. And I think that choice was made because of the illustrations that you get in the middle of the book, which I will show Marissa. Um, but y'all, again, you'll have to buy it, I guess, to see. Um, but this is Abatha, who's our main character. There's these creatures called the wild folk, which are like animal spirits with child spaces. So this is forest and creek. And then there's a raven named Sky. This is Samson, who's a big part of the book and one of my favorite characters. This is uh, the Munafet, which is like a Native American spirit, which I'll explain in a minute why he's in there. Then there's Slewfoot himself. And then last but not least, the beautiful witch. The way I'm about to go buy this book right now. You, Marissa, you would love it so much. I can't even begin to tell you. Uh, you have to buy it. Everybody has to buy it, but especially Marissa. So this book takes place in Connecticut in 1666, which I found very entertaining to me because I'm from Connecticut. Um, and for those of you who don't know, in Western, kind of central Western Connecticut, back in the day, there was um, witch trials where witches were um, just like they were in Salem, accused and hanged and, and horrible things were done to these women. And some of them were even burned at the stake. But people always credit with Salem as being sort of the biggest witch trial. But actually, those did take place in Wethersfield, Connecticut. So that's just a fun fact for you. If you're like, why would a witch book take place in Connecticut? Connecticut is like home of the original American burnings of witches. Of course, we know way back it happened in, in Europe. They would burn random ladies all the time. But yeah, that is the backdrop of, of this book. Not necessarily that specific witch trial in Wethersfield, but just puritanical New England, late 16, mid to late 1600s. And our main character, her name is Abatha. She came from England to marry, get married to this Puritan man. And they actually have a very sweet relationship, which is something I'll talk about 
later, but she's a little bit feisty and her mother was a cunning woman, which is like another term for a, a healer or like a witchy lady. Um, so of course all the Puritans are not very fond of Abatha and the book kind of follows her Abatha and her connection to sort of the, the wilderness and the spirits there. And there is this, he's not the devil, but this devil-like creature. Um, and it's sort of this exploration of who's the real evil? Is it the devil or is it the Puritans? And the reason I mentioned the Native American character is this also does contain Pequot characters. And so it doesn't just show the way that Puritans treated women during this time period, but also the native people during this time period. So I think Brom actually put a great deal of research into this piece because because of growing up in Connecticut, from what I know of Pequots, um, he did portray that in like a, I didn't think it was, a, I would want to ask a Pequot person, but like, I didn't personally think it was like an offensive, obscenely offensive way, which I think sometimes is hard when a random white person is writing about native people. But yeah, so that's Slewfoot. I'll get right into it. For readability, I gave this book an 8.5. Um, I loved this book. I could not put it down. It was one of those books that just like enchants you the whole time that you're reading it. And it's not even necessarily that I was like, whenever I wasn't reading it, I was like, oh, remember when this happened and what's going to happen next? And da, 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 da. Like I was experiencing that. But like the main thing I mean by like enchanted was like, I feel like from page one to the end of this book, the few days, I think I was reading it for like four or five days. I was in this like weird, like haze where I was just like completely captured by the book, even when I wasn't reading it. And I think that's largely due to Brahms world building um, and his sort of descriptions of, of this kind of really strange yet familiar setting. Very, very cool to me. Um, for writing uh, and style, I gave this book uh, an 8.5. I also think Marissa would love this writing style. I want to find like a, anytime like a weird, so the main characters in this book are Abatha and Samson, who's like this devil-like creature. And he's always talking to like the wild folk, which are like the little creatures, but also that I showed you, but also like a, a collective entity almost. Um, and whenever they're talking to each other, it's very weird. So you're kind of flipping back and forth between like pretty standard beautiful writing but like this pretty standard sort of 1666 dialect to like just the weird I don't even like I I, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it um I'll just read the first page maybe um a shadow deep in the darkness a whisper another no more whispers urgent I do not hear you, I cannot hear you, for the dead do not hear. A chorus of whispers, leave me be, you must wake. No, I am dead, and dead I shall remain. And that's like the first little chunk, and like you can't see it, but like, you must wake is in italics, and like that dialogue was real in dialogue. I don't know, it's, it's very peculiar. I personally thought the descriptions of the setting and specifically like I picked this book for summer horror I decided to just go ahead and do it for this episode um, because the descriptions of like the heat I thought were really gorgeous um, he the details in this book are it's almost painstakingly detailed but I really like that but you really get like you can tell he's a visual artist too because of the way he's describing everything like He's really painting the pictures for you. So even though a lot of the book is text, it does feel like every page is illustrated in a weird way, which I just thought was really freaking cool. Um, so the descriptions of the scene and the feeling and like the smells, like like even like smelling like corn, like I don't know if y'all are from a place where corn grows. I am, Marissa is I think, uh, but the smell of like corn 
as it's beginning to grow and then like dry and then that like bristly way it gets in the wind like stuff like that it's just so natural and so beautiful i think you did a really great job i think the dialogue was very well done and also like i said I, you can tell he did his research because it does feel pretty much like the dialect they would have used in the 1600s new england and the last sort of bit i'll touch on is in terms of his writing style the horror in this book was so it made my skin crawl and it was actually pretty few and far between because this wasn't a book where like every page something horrible is happening it wasn't even like it was a fast-paced book but it wasn't even like I wouldn't even call it a thriller or anything like that. Like it wasn't that kind of horror, but you would get these like moments where you were just like, like what is even happening? And it was all very otherworldly. And I think that was an interesting balance between how Brom decided to write about, the, I want to use air quotes, but monsters were enacting acts of horror in this book and how the humans were enacting acts of horror in this book. because. There was one character, I don't wanna spoil anything because I feel like this, you re I really, really want people to read this one, but this one character that you just hate from the first time you meet him until the end of the book, he does a lot of terrible things and it makes your skin crawl in a way that humans make your skin crawl. Like, have you ever looked at a man and you can just, your like skin starts to crawl because you're like there's something not right about this dude like I either don't like the way he's looking at me I don't like the way he just talked to me this guy very much Brom captured that sort of aspect of of human monstrosity but that is very different from the way he describes these otherworldly beings doing horrific things and again I don't want to spoil anything but there's this one part where a monster is quite literally devouring a human and it I was like <laughs> like I remember reading it I was just like beyond frightened like it was like 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 I think Marissa said something earlier about like summer horror is like itchy and it makes you want to like kind of like take off your skin it makes you want to take off your skin it makes it makes you want to take off this flesh prison and like peel it off of you and put it aside. That's how I felt when I was reading a lot of the horror in this book. And there was a lot of um, bug imagery. There was a lot of snake imagery. And then they would be balanced by these really beautiful, gorgeous descriptions of the forest or descriptions of Abatha and the way she's dressed and her skin and the like outfit she's wearing and 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 like these actually beautiful creatures even though they're all monsters there was a super weird scene too where like he was described i don't even remember perfectly what was happening in the scene but i felt like i was in a trance and there was like all these creatures coming forward and they were like creatures that were real but also like that you would see like bears and wolves and and birds and this that and the other but there was also like mythical looking creatures like like the little spirit guys wild folk we hang out with but then there was also like a mammoth like which threw me off but it was so cool the whole thing is just weird and there was really just like tender moments as well, which I'll talk about maybe when I talk about characterization, but just gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous writing on Brahms' part. Poor form. I give this book an eight. I would say it's experimental form. I read you guys that part that like, that's about as experimental as it gets, but this is the type of book where I kind of want to combine style and form and writing because it wasn't like, well, I would say the form gets doubly points because of the like illustrations that are added. That's something we don't see every day, but otherwise it was like a fairly, fairly traditional form. Um, but the, it was really just like the stunted sort of descriptions are exactly the kind of stuff I like to read. And it's exactly the kind of stuff I like to write. And even though I feel like 
that is some and like the bizarre dialogue like that stuff like that it feels like it should fit into the writing category but it also feels like there's something to be said about it in the form category just because that's not something everybody does and it does play with the way something looks on a page and it does affect pacing in the same way that form affects pacing that's still something I kind of want to ruminate on and like maybe talk about another time but that concept of when a writing when the writing style takes on a form of its own like what do we call that and what do we do with that information something to think about that's the that's the my one profound thought of the day um that i'll be thinking about for the rest of my waking hours on this day uh for shelf worthiness i gave this book a nine this is a must-have on your shelf people buy it it's hardcover i don't know if it will ever come out in paperback that's an excellent question i guess we'll find out I'm sure we can look it up, but we'll also find out because it came out last fall. I feel like I'm going to now collect all of Brahms books just because they're gorgeous. And I feel like I will read this book again, like several times. I loved it. it it's on my top. I moved it very quickly up to the top of my list of books I've read so far this year. It's not number one, it's not number two, and it's actually not even number three, but it is number four. And I'm assuming it's going to stay in that general area. But I do want to, I want to keep this book because I want to read it again. But also I could look at these pictures every goddamn day of my life. Especially these little freaks. I love them. I love them so much. I love them as a concept. I love Samson. I think he's beautiful with his little flower crown. Mwah. Kisses for Samson. Such a sweetie. But I feel like I, I, I want to look at these pictures all the time. I want to look at the ones that are at the top of the chapters all the time. I want to be scared by them and I want to get inspired by them. There's one that's like a beetle with like a face that really freaks me out. I also want to collect all of his other books. And I don't know if this impacts anybody's thoughts on this, but I'm 95% sure that all of his books are about this size, this large size. And I just feel like it's always fun to have like, Here's all my like weirdly shaped books and have all the Brahm books next to each other. And they're all these big, no these big novel. Like I've never seen a novel this size. That's just so fucking weird. And I love it. So yeah, this is shelf worthy because you're going to want to read it again. You're going to want to look at the pictures all the time to scare yourself. And you're also going to want to collect all of Brahm's other books. Like they're pieces of art. Gorgeous. I would get his art tattooed if I could. I'm going to email him and say, Brahm. Can I get this tattooed? Do I have your permission? And he's going to say, girl, I don't know who you are. I don't know. Does anybody have a Brahm tattoo? <laughs> Somebody comment. <laughs> Let us know. Because uh, I would never want to steal his art. You know, I wouldn't want to just say, hey, tattoo this. But I love it. It's freaking gorgeous. I wonder if you can buy prints of his art. I think you might be able to. That's something we can maybe link in the show notes and I'll find the link to it. But like, ew, just look at this little mosquito. The scene with the mosquitoes is one of the most terrifying scenes I've ever read in my life as well. Um, there's also, I will say trigger warning, gore. This book gets really nasty at certain parts. Like really bloody, really gross. The descriptions of smells. Yucky wucky. <laughs> but like I said, it's not every page, like it's not even every chapter. He was just like, let me write this gorgeous story that's like a meditation on what is evil and what is not and the grayness of our world. And then let me just sprinkle these astounding moments of horror throughout the book. So cool. Slay. For plot, I gave this book an 8.5. Uh, I thought it was a very strong plot. I was very much happy with it through and through. I was, I was surprised. I was shocked. I was upset. I was riveted. <laughs> I was enthralled. How many um, verbs can I, adjectives and verbs can I use? But the only thing, I didn't love the prologue. 
I didn't need it. I loved the last chapter and I think it probably should have ended there. I see why he did the prologue. And I think when we're looking at Brom, we're looking at somebody who has a very, like I said, you can tell he's a visual artist by the way he writes, but I think he also has a very um, cinematic vision. And the way this book ended, the prologue was what you would see in like the last scene of a horror movie that would, you know how every horror movie has this and I, I don't love it, but it's where the movie ends and then it shows you this little tidbit that like allows you to think anything that did get solved didn't necessarily get solved, if that makes sense. So the thing that comes to mind for some reason is like House of Wax, right? It ends, Chad Michael Murray and his sister go home and both brothers that ran the House of Wax are dead. But if you remember from the beginning, they had a third brother, like a third guy who lived in the town. And the end shot of that book is that brother like sitting on the back of a truck. And so it's like, ooh, like, look, like there's still more of this world to explore. And it doesn't even necessarily mean that they're going to explore it, but it's just to give you that tidbit. I personally like sometimes when it just ends where it ends. Like a bad, that's a good example, but like a bad example is Haunting of Hill House, right? The show. I think, ladies and gentlemen, I think it should have ended with that house lighting on fire and all the siblings getting out, but their dad not getting out. And it should have freaking ended there. But then whoever decided to do this had this whole epilogue where like everything turned out to be okay and da, 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 da. I don't like that I don't like that so that's just one thing the only thing that deducted from this being like a nine uh, for plot and last but not least characterization I give this book a nine I loved all of these characters. I even loved, I loved to hate the ones that I hated. I think even the character that was felt pure evil, it did, he, he did feel really evil in a human way, which is scarier than somebody, something being evil in a monstrous way. And there's something so assured about a monster, self-assured about a monster being evil, but a person being evil, there's something, there's like an unraveling to it that is really disturbing. It, or like a precarious to it, this to it, that is really disturbing. And I think Brom captured that really well. And the humanity that he captured in other people was really interesting too, because there's like the reverend and his wife were basically like the leaders of this small Puritan village. And they were such interesting characters all the way through the end. And none of it felt like I'm trying to think away everything that they did felt real you know when you read a book and you're like I don't think that would actually happen and you're fine with it but you're like I just don't think that would actually happen these people were so like anybody who's familiar too with the Salem witch trials and like the hysteria that occurred and you're it, sometimes you think to yourself you're like how did that happen and how are people actually believing this and believing what these teenage girls were saying and, and but he does a really Brom does a really good job at painting a picture of how that something like that could occur um and how it how that mindset sort of unfolds in people which I think was really cool I loved Abatha as a character she was so interesting and so lovable and and even when she was doing things that were not good you were kind of like slay queen because like everything that's just how I feel uh, maybe people would disagree with me on that but it was very much good for her horror I loved loved her husband there's this really tender scene between them that is one of the most gorgeous like quote-unquote love scenes I have ever read and their relationship was not unrealistic. It also felt very complex and, and, and real. And then there was characters like Samson, who I just adored. And you, you like felt for this, 
I keep using air quotes monster, but like that's the only thing I can think of to describe him. It, it is just really, you have to read the book, I feel like, to know what I am talking about. But it was they, really beautiful, beautiful monsters in this book that you kind of actually, not kind of, that you love and care for. So yeah, slay all around. Thank you, Brom, for this beautiful, beautiful book. I will cherish it forever. And that is my review of Slewfoot. I want to order it right now. Do it, Marissa. No, I was looking at his website while you were talking, and it's actually really cool. He's He's got, like, a gallery where you can see, I'm guessing, all the pictures in his book. Books, plural, novels. Yeah, he's got one called Lost Gods, and it looks like it's it says it's a journey into the underworld, which sounds really friggin' cool. Obviously, we love Krampus. Yeah. Um, the child thief what the frig you know it just sounds really really cool so um i think he's definitely someone we should look into and it's weird i looked just now just to see if we had this book we don't have this book at any barnes and noble in my area what the frig why what the frig but that's okay i'll just have to order it and have them send it to me you got some of this book? Please? You got some of this book? You got some of this book, please? I'm definitely going to read Krampus at Christmas time. Oh, without a doubt. So, like I said, I am in the process, not finished, but in the process of reading My Heart is a Chainsaw by Stephen Graham Jones. And this book's super popular right now. Everyone's loving it, everyone's got something to say about it. So pretty much there is kind of like your typical horror girl. She's very, she's very like emo goth. Her name's Jade. She loves slasher films. She stands out in her town, which is kind of being like taken over by rich people right now because, you know, that's the way that it is. And there starts to be murders in her town it kind of plays well it not kind of it does play a lot on like other well-known horror slasher films um it plays a lot on tropes of being like the final girl like if you compare jade to literally any other final girl she is not that she's not you know sydney prescott she's not friggin nancy from nightmare on elm street she's not laurie from halloween she's very like she's just dark and she's not preppy she's not she doesn't have like the great life splattered with like oh this one horrible traumatic incident that happened she's yeah she's very not final girl and so when she's put into these situations where she's like possibly living her own slasher scenario she's trying to fit herself in with everything that's going on and again she she knows horror things she knows that she's not the final girl so where does she fit into this horror situation interestingly enough it also has a lot to do with white people and rich people moving into a town where they don't belong I guess and inserting themselves into that and making it their town and yeah a lot about that I also think it's interesting that he I mean I I only read the only good Indians as his other book but he does have things about like elks dying in here too and I think that's really interesting and I kind of love when authors subconsciously make weird connections between their books like that like this book has nothing to do with the only good Indians but somehow just something as small as that I'm like oh I know that that's something that plays in his head a lot I don't know it's just interesting writer writer to writer homie to homie you know so yeah let's jump into it 
Well, readability, I give this an eight. I think this book is worthy of being a nine or a 10, like a total binge book, but I just have not had the time to dive into it as much as I want to. So I'm going to leave it at eight for now, but it really has everything that just pulls you right in and keeps you there reading, enjoying, consuming. So, I mean, think about how addicting slasher films are to put that in a book. Like, hell yeah. For language and style, I gave this a seven. You know, his writing's clean. His language is really interesting. I never really understood, like, in college when you talk, or not even in college, I think this was, like, grammar school, but when you talk about the formal versus the informal in writing, like, they always try to talk about it very technically, and I don't understand it technically. I only understand it, like, from the vibes and how it feels. And I'll say... Stephen Graham Jones, there's nothing like not professional about his book or anything. It's very lit with a capital L. But the way he's writing in this book, it's like informal. He has asides. He has, you know, he's explaining to you things about people in the town that from, he's explaining it to you not from a professional point of view, from someone in the town. And again, his main character is a teenage girl in this book, and he does a wonderful job at embodying her and bringing her to life. Even in The Only Good Indians, I would say, he has this really good way of writing informally, where I, I feel, and now that I think about it, I think about the books that I like, I like informal writing better than I like formal writing. I think our Asian-American book that I read I'm trying to think of what it was the change of the sea or something like that such a full sea on such a full sea I think it was called um I I think part of the reason why I didn't like that book so much is because it was very formal writing and that's for whatever reason hard for my brain to really grab onto um I want to read a book like I think thoughts I think (laughs) And so Stephen Graham Jones does that very, very, very well. So he gets a seven for language and style. For form, I was going to omit it, but I decided I would talk about it. I'm going to give it a 5.5 because something that I really like about this book is after every chapter, you have a mini essay on slasher films, Slasher 101 by Jade writing to her teacher her history teacher which is really interesting and what a good way to get your reader to know your character like that what a good way to like I mean obviously people who already like horror films who already like slashers are going to want to pick up this book but I think anyone can pick up this book And even if you don't know about Red Herrings or Final Girls or like rules in a slasher film, even if you don't know those, having these little bits at the end of each chapter, you're educating yourself. You're getting to learn more about the topic. So you're not totally lost when you're reading this book. Um, You're also getting to know about your character by them talking about something that they like and enjoy and are knowledgeable about, but also writing to their teacher yeah just to see the way that someone writes an essay is is such a good way to understand um pieces of them that i i think personally but yeah so i just think that's i gave it a 5.5 only because i don't think that it's like crazily experimental or anything but i think writerly it serves the plot, it serves the reader, it serves the character. It's not, you know, just, I kind of think of the Final Girl Support Group by Grady Hendrix, which I read back in November, and we we did not talk about it on the pod, but I read it, and it was kind of like, there were things hidden in there that you kind of wouldn't know unless you knew, 
And with this book, it's like, yeah, there are things in there that you wouldn't know unless you knew, but also there are, you have all the tools to be able to figure it out because of these things. And that's so wonderful. It's just, I think that it's, it shows, it shows, it shows a very seasoned and professional writer who is thinking about his craft and the best way to present his story. Love that. So for Shelf Worthy and Read Again, as I mentioned before, I'm going to skip this only because I'm only maybe halfway through this book. I haven't finished it yet, so I don't feel like I can really say whether I'd read it again. What if I get to the end and I'm like, F that ending. That was horrible. I don't know. Maybe I will. Who's to say? Um, so skipping that. For plot, I gave it an eight because already I love the setup. I love, you know, you have the creepy town. You have the creepy high school. You have the creepy camp. You have the creepy lake. You have all the rich people in suburbia. Like you have, even though you can understand, you know, certain ways slasher films work, you have all these tools. You have all these, he puts all these pieces in there so that you really don't know what's going to happen, even though you might, you might, you're like, I've watched every scary movie there is and I've read every slasher book and I could tell you A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Okay, but he has everything in here. So like, which one's it going to be? Which I just also think is really, really smart to do that because it could turn out to be very obvious. Going back once again to, to the Final Girl Support Group, I loved that book, but I knew where the like final fight would take place and everything just from knowing, I guess. But this book's not like that. It's still really up in the air for me. Everything's being set up really wonderfully. I'm still like questioning a lot. And and I also think Jade being the character she is makes it super interesting um, because I also don't know like, I mean, obviously she's the main character of our book, but is she the main character of this story that's, happening like I don't I don't know and then and then it also makes me think this is just a little bit of tangent honestly but it makes me think what would a book look like from a secondary character's perspective (laughs) like what would it be I can't even think of what would To Kill a Mockingbird be like from like Calpurnia's perspective to to just be like explaining the kids doing their things and how she feels you know working for this family and everything it would be completely different it would be wild but yeah so I don't know if this book is going to pan out to be that Jade is the secondary character I don't think so I think I think it's going to work out right um, where she's going to be some kind of final girl and make her own you know because you know sometimes horror is as much about dismantling the rules of horror as it is about keeping the rules of horror and so who's to say so yeah that's how i feel about the plot so far and we already have people who i'm like oh i wouldn't mind if they died so um for characterization i gave it also an eight i i know i've mentioned this before but for stephen graham jones a I don't know. I don't know how old he is, but an older man to be stepping into the shoes of a 17-year-old teenager and writing this. So interesting and so good. And he does it so well. And I mean, even in um, The Only Good Indians, he had his last couple chapters or the last section of the book. I can't really remember the setup now, but it was... um, from the perspective of a teenage girl and he did it wonderfully I never felt sometimes you know men write from women perspective and I'm like this is a mockery of of the woman this is a mockery and sometimes I feel like um I don't know just offended by certain things that they think that we think or thought were important and things like that but Stephen Graham Jones has never rubbed me the wrong way with that and I really 
respect him for doing that because it's hard for men to do that for whatever reason. But yeah, so I definitely I gave that an eight and the surrounding cast of characters are also all really interesting. And that's really all I have to say about that. I do think that people should read this book. Like I said, it's really popular right now. And the next one, which I can't think of the name right now, the next one is coming out, I believe, in February. So there is a sequel, which is one of the things that all slasher films have to have. Oh, and it's actually, so I think it's going to be part of a trilogy now that I'm looking at it. So will it be the same people? I don't know. Who's to say? I couldn't tell you. I'm sure Steven could tell you. I'm sure I could tell you when I end it. The sequel's called Don't Fear the Reaper. But, um, so that's all I have to say about that folks um did i miss it or is the main character in this book indigenous as well yes okay perfect L- perfect perfect <laughs> we love it that's what that's the kind of thing we want to see we love it and it's like i don't know if we have an indigenous final girl before this moment not that i can think of not even a lot of horror is indigenous. No. My brain's like white girl, white girl, white girl, white girl. They're always white. They're never even, there's never even a black or Hispanic. We just got a Hispanic final girl in um, the babysitter two for anybody. That's the only one I can think of though. Ma'am. I've never seen Candyman. Oh. I've never seen Candyman. Us might have a black final girl, but I don't know if she actually makes it to the end. Right. I don't know if that counts. Right. I don't think, I don't know if that counts. I haven't seen Nope, but I'm excited to see nope. it. But maybe there's a black final girl in Nope. One day I would like for us to talk about um, the Evil Dead movie and how they made Ash a final guy and my feelings about that the night of the living dead or evil dead evil dead evil dead sorry but also the end of the night of the living dead the only part of that movie that scares me is the end yeah that's horrible horrible it's horrid oh but it's such a good movie but also no you're right evil dead (gasps) oh yeah we might have to start a second branch of the podcast where we talk about horror movies we it's it sounds like a must to me i know and we will revisit slasher this season yes probably in october maybe we'll have a special halloween well one of our halloween episodes will be slasher mm-hmm. but it's definitely something we gotta revisit we and analyze to discuss. we gotta discuss it there's too much to say yep 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 and that's all she wrote that's it what's our episode for next week Rissy? so for next week we're doing something kind of fun kind of silly goofy um we just wanted to pick a book by its cover that's that's all i don't know about you but i have no freaking clue what my book's about i'm planning to read this book that i saw on a table at lovely Barnes and Noble. It's called The Splendid City. And I read the back of it and it just seems so funny. And that's like not my thing. I sounds horrible. I hate comedy. Doesn't make me laugh. Doesn't does not make me laugh. But I don't know why this book just seems so great. I think that there's like a talking cat and I'm like, I want to read it. Did I say what it's called? Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's what I'm reading. Very excited about it. I have when I sing the mountains dance. And I said, I, I know the book, but I don't have any clue what the cover doesn't tell. The cover's gorgeous, but it doesn't tell me a damn thing. Um, I was telling Riss earlier, I mostly picked this book because it says on the top, translated from the Catalan. Nope, no freaking clue where they speak Catalan. We don't know. Not a thought. Mm-hmm. Um, even the back does not really, I can't, I don't know what it's about. But I don't I, know. I, I saw it. I said, it's Grey Wolf Press. I said, give me that shit. 
and I bought it. And it's by a woman because that's mostly what I also check for. <laughs> Mine is also by a lady. I say, is that a girl's name or a they them's name? But guys, yeah. this means that this is a very important week for you to at least look up these books to see what their covers look like because I've, I'm sure that we're going to talk about what drew us into these covers next week. Oh, we are. So you're going to want to know what it looks like. I just opened this book for the first time right in the middle of the book. What is this? What's up? Topography. I've got topography in my book. And um, we'll see you guys next week. We will see you. Peace out. Bye.